brief time this morning, I, I just want to kind of share with you guys a couple things before we launch into this study of Revelation. As you can tell, Revelation as a book, I, I've, got, I've got a great affection for it. And one of the reasons being, not just because of some of what we're talking about now, because uh, that grew over time. You know, I, I didn't have this appreciation for God's Word like that my whole life. As a matter of fact, when my mom became a Jesus freak, I was probably... I don't know, nine or so, she was a later convert, and then she started dragging me to this Baptist church, and I would be so like, oh, man, this is so boring, I whatever's going on. And so I would just look at the Pew Bible, and I would look at Revelation, because I knew a little bit about Revelation, and I was like, what in the world, man? You got these dragons, and you got these beasts, and a lake of fire, and whoa, you know? And so it was the first book of the Bible that actually kind of arrested my attention. At first, it was like, wow, this is, I, I didn't know about any of this kind of thing. So uh, Revelation was the first book that made me think, wow, maybe there's something more to this Christianity than I had realized. But also it's, it has a place in my heart because one of my best friends, uh, just a, a dear friend of mine who's a pastor in Hawaii, he didn't grow up in a Christian household. And, and so he always thought of Jesus as kind of a, you know, beatnik, hippie, friendly guy. And then he came across Revelation. And you guys remember the first chapter we read, that I think it's from verse 13 to 16, when it describes Jesus. And my friend Frank said, man, if that is Jesus, I'm in big trouble. Because I have been totally blowing him off my whole life. And that was partly what led him to become a Christian. And, and I have another friend who he and his wife, well, they were girlfriend, that boyfriend at the time, were at this party in Seattle, totally drunk, stoned out of their minds in one of the bedrooms in the house. And they just started flipping through Revelation, probably to just kind of mock it or see whatever it was. And Dave got so convicted, he and his wife got saved. I don't know if they got saved at that moment, but that led them to a pursuit to understand Christianity. And now they, they got saved years ago. It, have any of you listened to one of those passion worship albums in the last 10, 15 years that came out? I mean, so he's one of those producers. And he got saved reading the book of Revelation. So Revelation has a lot of, I have a lot of affection for it. And when I became a youth pastor, back when I was in my late teens, I could guarantee get a crowd of kids. I would just teach the book of Revelation. I would do a study on Revelation. And whether they were Christian or not, kids, every Thursday night at our Bible study would be out in droves. The only time I had more kids is when I did a series on dating. And then I had the great idea, I'll do a series dating in Revelation. Man, it was like, boom, they were all there. So I have a lot of affection for Revelation, and so I'm excited, as you can see, to really jump into it in a way that I've never done before. So what I want to do now is kind of do, do two things. Give you a brief outline, a broad outline of the book of Revelation, so that you have a place to hang your hat. Because if you know anything about this book, we go a deep dive, and you can lose the forest for the trees, right? So what I want to do now is here's a, just, if you're a note taker, write these down. If you take, have a phone, take a picture of it. Because as we jump into this amazing book, there are so many details and visions and symbols and things. You can get very confused. I don't want you to lose. Here's the broad thread that goes to the book. So chapter one, we're going to look at that next week. It's basically the risen and majestic Christ. I mean, it's amazing. John had the right response when he sees him, at, I think at the end of verse 17. He drops down like he died. He sees Jesus and he drops dead, Right? How many times people see Jesus and drop, I mean, they, we, 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 we don't, are not getting Jesus. John does. And Jesus kind of raises them back up, right? He, so the risen and majestic Christ is next week. Chapters 2 and 3, I entitled Message to the Church. It's actually a message to the churches, right? The seven churches. But as you're going to understand, 
this message is not just for those churches at that time. Revelation really is God's message to the church, and it's, it's, it's contextualized, it's made real by these seven churches of uh, Ephesus, Smyrna, Thyatira, Laodicea. So, message to the church. And then chapters 4 and 5, I think, is the theological zenith of the book of Revelation. It is the fulcrum by which all of reality is balanced with. It's just God. So the second hour, the second time reading through it, as uh, I think Gary was reading it, did you have chapter four or was that Scott? Was that you? The word throne kept being, I audibly was like, oh, we've been seeing it. So I looked at it and 12 times, you get, the, you get the impression John's trying to let you know you're in the presence of royalty here because he talks about a throne 12 times and he doesn't even know how to describe the throne. Did you notice how many times it says it had the appearance of this, it had the, he has no idea. So it's all about God, chapters four and five. And by the way, chapter 6 through 18, I entitled it kind of the global temporal eternal war. And, and we'll unpack that. But everything that flows in chapter 6 through 18 is directly coming out of what happens in chapters 4 and 5. It's astounding. And then chapters 19 and 22, it's the end. All things new, beautiful, good, right? Everything's right. That is, at a 10,000-foot level, that is an outline of the book of Revelation, and I don't want you guys to miss that. So that's the outline. I do have four goals, though, for this book. Four goals I have is, number one, is I want to I defuturize Revelation. What I mean by defuturize Revelation is we can get this sense that, that, that Revelation is taking place at some time off in the future. Uh, it might be a little immediate future or distant future, but not think that it's happening now. And the reality is, I want to make it now, because that's what's taking place in Revelation. There is some thought that, you know, that Jesus is on some kind of coffee break, right? Like he's in a break room, he's like drinking his coffee going, oh man, the work of the cross, that took a lot out of me, but I got 2,000 years before Revelation, so I'm just going to take it easy now. The reality is, as we saw in our series over the summer, Jesus is doing things now. The revelation that he gave John is happening now. Now, I don't know what chapter we're in, that's not the point. The point is to realize it's not some future far-off thing. It's a reality that's taking place this year, this month, this week, this day, this moment, and every moment. What John, what we've been reading about is taking place. So I want to defuturize it, make it now. Secondly, I want to defantasize it. I think because we can think of it as a future reality, uh, uh, something in the future, we've kind of interpreted it oddly, and I'll talk a little bit about this next week in the coming weeks, but we're forgetting that, this, this, i got to be very careful with this, John is talking a lot about symbols and visions, and we tend to read Revelation, and we're trying to interpret Revelation like we do a lot of Paul's letters, taking it literally, but friends, you can't do that with this letter, right? That doesn't mean you don't take it seriously. As a matter of fact, because John is using so many symbols Symbols are always trying to carry way more conceptual weight than concrete language can do. So he's communicating things that are very, very massive, but because we're considering it literally, we tend to kind of like fantasize it. And, and, and this is true, by the way. So if you became a Christian or were formal, your formal Christian life was before the year 2000, 
Okay. You're probably like me, right? You heard about Hal Lindsey, late great planet Earth, and all these weird beliefs about the future. And then after about 2000, when the world didn't end, we kind of stopped studying Revelation entirely. So if you became a Christian after 2000 and your formative Christian life is after 2000, you probably don't know enough about these things. So we, we studied it too much and got all kinds of crazy ideas about it, or now we're completely ignoring it. And so what I want to do is balance that. And so when we future or fantasize it, you've heard people say things like the locusts in Revelation must be Apache helicopters or something like that. Or the ten-horned beast, that's got to be the, the, the ten-nation European common market or some kind of international business conglomeration, right? Or the mark of the beast, that's that RFID chip that's coming out now that's going to have it in all of us. Or no, it's forced vaccines because the Bible says without the mark you can't buy or eat and without vaccination we can't go into stores. That's the mark. And, and so we get all these kind of crazy ideas and we're missing the point John is using symbolic language, not being literal about these things. Now, am I saying nothing in Revelation is literal? That's not what I'm communicating. Could the mark of the beast be an RFID chip? I suppose it could be. Uh, that's not my view, but my point is, when John is, I, I think if we handle the text honestly, there are many of you who might get bored with the way I handle Revelation. You see, because the reality is the spiritual warfare that, 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 that John is talking about is not like Ghostbusters. There is not a point in your Christian life like, oh, Revelation's going to come next year. Let's get our Demon Buster proton packs. That's not what it's going to be. It's not going to be, oh, look, all these living creatures. That must be Raphar, the spirit of Babylon we heard about in church. Okay, let's, let's get the Holy Spirit and fight them. That's not what's going on. It's a lot more mundane. It's not that kind of warfare. It's the kind of warfare that does this. Am I going to prioritize loving God's people this weekend, or am I just going to be lazy and just do what I want? It's not the kind of thing where I pray in tongues and bring down spiritual demons coming through the walls. It's going to be, am I going to press into learning how to pray? Am I going to study God's Word? Am I going to broaden a Christian worldview so I can be effective in the lives of people around me, or am I just going to zone out watching Netflix again tonight? You see, you go, that, that sounds boring, doesn't it? I'd much rather, I'm, I'm going to step up to the plate if there's an actual demons i got to deal with. But if it's just me, like i got to study the Bible, I'm not going to do that. I'm watching Netflix. But what John is doing with symbolic language is he's saying, you see that as mundane? I see that as demons that will tear you to shreds if you're not aware of what's really behind all that. Does that make sense? So what, so... John is not using symbolic language so that we don't take it seriously. He's using symbolic language to show the importance, the real importance of these things. He's like pulling the curtain back on reality, and he's showing us what you see is like watching Netflix and not a big deal. That's a demon wiping you out of the game, making you less effective for the kingdom, and now you can't be used for his purposes in this revelation. That's the reality. And so you may be a little bit bored with the way I take it because I'm not going to talk about Apache helicopters and uh, Ronald Wilson Reagan 666. Yeah, people thought Ronald Wilson Reagan was going to be the mark of the beast because his letters are six letters, six and six. And so all these crazy things. I'm not going to do that stuff. As a matter of fact, I'm going to blow up a lot of that and you may not be happy, but that's the reality. So I want to defuturize it. I want to defantasize it. I want to make it now. I want to make it real where you and I are actually at in this revelation couple, the last two. I want to reread Revelation. I want to reread re -re -re Revelation with the Old Testament in mind and not your favorite news app. 
Do you realize of the 404 verses in this book, 276 are references to the Old Testament? That's more than half. There are over 500 allusions to the Old Testament in Revelation alone. That's more than the entire New Testament combined. The way you understand Revelation is not through Fox News, not through CNN, and looking for all the connecting the dots, is to understand the Old Testament. That's how you read Revelation. You see, because if we have to look at Fox News and, and, and CNN, then this book had no, meant nothing to the original recipients, right? It meant nothing to most of church history if it's all about the end. But it meant something very much to them. Why? Because they knew exactly what John was talking about because he's pulling from the common tradition of the Old Testament. Daniel, Ezekiel, Zechariah. You can't read a chapter in Revelation without John referring to one of these three books. Now, you might be like, well, I don't understand those books either, so what's the point? But we'll we'll unpack that. The point is, I want you to read Revelation with the Old Testament, not a news app because that's really important. And then finally, I want to, I had to keep with the idea here, respond to Revelation. I want us to respond to it, and that is with comfort, that is with confidence, because it's all around Christ. That's what I want us to do. Friends, when we study this book, we are not going to approach it. I don't want you to approach it like, hey, this is a puzzle. We're all trying to figure out how does this piece get in there, because you're going to miss it. We want to study this like a piece of art that we get inspired by. We want to study this and go, man, I may not understand all this, but I like the picture it paints because it talks about Jesus Christ. It talks about the comfort we have in the gospel, and it talks about the victory that is ours. All the other details, some of it we're going to get, some of it we're not, but that doesn't matter because the real picture is very clear, and it's not a puzzle to figure out. Right? So those are the three four goals. Defuturize it, defantasize it, reread it, and respond to it. And finally, because we want to do this, because there's a blessing. Revelation 1 3, did you catch that? Blessed, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and who keep what is written in it. For the time is near. That's exactly right. The time is near. Friends, we, we did two of those three. We had it read aloud, and we heard it. The question is, are we going to keep it? If we're going to keep it, it's got to be clear. We've got to understand it. Thankfully, it's a very clear, well, it is a clear and understandable book, right? It's not a puzzle figure out. It's a picture to appreciate. So that's what we're going to be doing for the next probably 30 weeks. Revelation is going to be the, the book we study as a church this year, and I'm really excited to get into it. I hope you are too. Look at the bottom of your bulletin. Read ahead. Next week's going to be Revelation chapter 1. Well, will you bow your heads and pray with me as we close our service? Father, we thank you for the book of Revelation. We thank you for the confidence and comfort that it brings to your people. Lord, we want to read this book eyes wide open because you gave it to us for a reason, for that very thing, so that we would not be in the dark. We would know that even though the world seems like it's falling apart, you are firmly seated upon your throne and we are your people. Father, we pray that comforts us, gives us the confidence and boldness to go into this world and proclaim the gospel. Lord, you are worthy. And so we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Christ Community Church of Laguna Hills. For more information and resources from Christ Community, visit us at www.ccclh.org.